to Ill-Equipped History, where two best friends tell you a story from history, and no one told us to do that. So, here we are. <laughs> my name is Morgan, here with my... I was trying to trying to come up with an adjective that is different than I've been using, and I almost said emphysematic. <laughs> you got emphysema? <laughs> well, I can't breathe, so... so. My my asthmatic co-host Emily. Hey y'all! <laughs> I got my yawn out of the way. <laughs> Sometimes when my body's like, you need more oxygen, it's like you need to yawn. So I do, and uh, turns out that's um, every time before the podcast starts. So y'all yep. get to miss out on a lot of yawns. <laughs> I also edit them out during. Recording. Thank God. So. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I'm just like, we're gonna constantly yawning. Um, so if you guys can't tell we're still Together. in the same vicinity. So we've still got that. We're still staring at each other. Yeah, making each other laugh by looking at. <laughs> Why did you that face? <laughs> Emily just put on her glasses and like went full turtle, <laughs> curling her lip, her upper lip around her teeth. To put her glasses on. So I can see you better. <laughs> I know why you put glasses on. <laughs> Does your mouth have to help you do that too? <laughs> you should see me put on mascara. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, well, um, guys, if, if you hear some things going on in the background, it's because we're actually recording in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and my children are very loud goblins so we're trying they're the sweetest things but they're they're young and loud and loud uh they woke me up this morning that's rude so and i had to tell them a few times go to your room and play and they they wouldn't they didn't listen to me of course they don't they don't listen to me (laughs) and they kept yelling i was like why are you yelling (laughs) every day every day i just go why are you yelling why All right, so I stumbled upon this one. I was just kind of looking up some, I kind of was like, let's talk about another war, you know. Sunken ships and war. Sunken ships and war. Those (laughs) those are the two constants of history, right? (laughs) Right. So I was looking up, and this one has a very unique place in history. Okay. Which I will get into after we go over our skits. Let's jump into it. Yay. The year is 1896. Prince Khalid bin Bargash has locked himself and his army inside the royal palace. British naval forces are in the harbor, awaiting orders. Diplomat Basil Cave and Rear Admiral Harry Rawson are going through their options. Okay, I've asked this kid like twice now to leave the palace and he won't. I mean, Zanzibar is under our control. It's our right as the British Empire to install our own puppet. I'm, I mean, leader on the throne. There must be a way to solve this matter diplomatically, or I wouldn't have my job. I'm sending out one last order to vacate. You got express permission from the higher-ups, right? If this kid doesn't leave by 9 a.m., I'm blowing that palace to smithereens. <sighs> I guess this is what it comes down to, then. I hope he listens. You. Messenger, send this to the palace. Prince Khalid and has one hour to leave the palace or we open fire. A few minutes pass. The prince's envoy arrives with a message of his own. 
The prince would rather die than leave the palace. He is the rightful sultan of Zanzibar. His father decreed it and he will be a great ruler. Does he not understand what's about to happen? We have tried to solve this peacefully and he is refusing to stand down. He's about to get a taste of British naval power in his face. Do it. The clock tower sounds nine times. After the ninth bell, Rawson turns to his sailors. You know what this means, men. Arm the cannons. Fire when ready. So, um, this story is about the shortest war in history. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm intrigued. So, our setting for this story is in Zanzibar in the late 1800s. For those of y'all who do not know, Zanzibar is a, a tiny, tiny island off the coast of East Africa near what is now Tanzania. It's actually, now it is a part of Tanzania, but it was not at the time. At the time, it was sort of part of the continent, not continent, I don't know what I'm saying, the country of Tanganyika. Mm-hmm. It or Tanganyika, sorry. So what's now Tanzania and Zanzibar and a couple other places was Tanganyika. Zanzibar is also known as Unguya, and that may, that may be more of like a local mm-hmm. pronunciation of it. It's teeny tiny. It's about half the size of Rhode Island. Oh, it's... Teeny tiny. It sounds smaller than the pack ice that... <laughs> I think so. That Shackleton was on. <laughs> yeah. It was really little. Also, fun fact, Freddie Mercury was born there. No shit. Yeah. Well, I love him already. Yeah. So, Zanzibar is a major exporter of cloves, coconuts, and citrus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's got huge clove... It did have huge clove plantations at the time of this story. And it was very profitable. Yes. Europeans got to have their spices, right? Right. (laughs) Zanzibar was colonized by the Portuguese in the 1500s, though it apparently seemed to be kind of a mutually beneficial relationship. Okay. The Portuguese, they kind of, they, like, were like, okay, Zanzibar's ours now, but they didn't, like, meddle yeah. in everything. They they kept their distance. They were not directly involved in the goings-on. They seemed to just kind of help each other mutually with political matters, mostly mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. So they more became, like, allies. Yeah. In 1698, Zanzibar was taken over by Oman, which is a country in the Middle East, um, and it's an Arab country. So when Oman took control over Zanzibar, trade grew even more than it already Mm -hmm. had with the Portuguese. Unfortunately, one of their big producers was enslaved people. They were a huge slave port, um, and they also had slaves on the island (sighs) providing free labor for the clove plantations and the citrus plantations and all Mm -hmm. of that. This was a major trade port, especially for enslaved people. And from Zanzibar, enslaved people went out to the southern U.S., the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. India, the Middle East, and within Zanzibar itself, like I said. In 1832, the Sultan of Omar moved to Zanzibar and... All I could hear when I was researching this was that line from History of the Entire World, I guess, by Bill Wirtz on YouTube, where it goes, Sultan of Oman lives in Zanzibar now. 
That's just where he lives. <laughs> there was a reason why. It was because he wanted to be closer to all of the commerce and trade that was happening in Zanzibar. That makes so, sense. And also around this time, a lot of Indians mm-hmm. were coming into Zanzibar as well. And at this time... India was being colonized by the British. And mm-hmm. so when Indians were coming in, that got the attention of the British Empire. Right. Like, wow, this is a super prosperous trade route. Yeah. Dollar signs or we pound signs. Yeah. So the Leave British. The British to just yank something that really, someone else's. Just metal. Just this, metal. this entire story happened because the British meddled. And another thing about this story is that... There's not really one right side and one wrong side. Right. They both had, like, justifiable motivations. Motivations? I almost said, listen, (laughs) my brain is not functional anymore at all. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Motivations. Motivations. They both had their motivations, which I'll get into. So Mm. there's not really a side that you want to root for because it's like the colonizers almost seem like they're doing something good mm-hmm. against the the native indigenous and like royal family yeah but then also like you're like you want the the people who'd been living there for a while and have like been kind of running the place to have their own it's it's complicated so they both suck yeah <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> so when all of this is going on europe is colonizing the fuck out of Africa. I mean, it is just... Might as well, right? It's Good it's God. really horrible. And this yeah. created a lot of conflict between European countries. And this included Great Britain and Germany. Mm-hmm. And they were scrambling to colonize what they could and exploit the rich resources in Africa. Mm-hmm. So Great Britain was directly involved with the slave trade, as we've discussed previously, especially with the Americas and all of that. Yes. But in 1833, the Slavery Abolition Act ended slavery within the British Empire. Okay. And when the British ended it, they wanted it ended everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to historical Great Britain. We're not saying now. We're just saying historical Great Britain to be the ones to say, well, we, we do it this way. We want everyone to do it this way. Exactly. And also, all of your artifacts are now in our museums. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. For that. So, and again, it's like, okay, yeah, they want to end slavery. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. But also, they're, like, meddling in everything. It's just, it's, again, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So, the British are very interested in Zanzibar at this time. And they're, like, they're not taking it over or anything. They're not going to war. But they're, like, hovering. Like, a really annoying aunt or something they're just oh, like yeah. mm, what you doing over There's a there weird uncle at thanksgiving yeah like yeah. what you got going over <laughs> there you got a boyfriend yet you know when you gonna have kids yeah it's kind of like that <laughs> shut up aunt susan <laughs> <laughs> so in 1856 the current sultan at that time saeed bin died the british zoomed in and meddled so saeed bin had two sons mm-hmm. and the british were like hey how about what if Genius idea. One son goes back to Oman and is Sultan of Oman. Mm-hmm. And then the other son stays here in Zanzibar and rules Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. And they're like, cool. And they're like, ha ha, now we have separated these two entities. Zanzibar is no longer under Oman's protection or their rule. So we're going to zoop in. Come on in. So the British couldn't really 
again, they couldn't do anything with or to Zanzibar while it was under Omani control. Right. But once those powers were separated, they came in like seagulls. Oh my god. Mine, 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 mine. Mine. So that Sultan, mm-hmm. um, the the son of Saeed bin eventually died. A lot of sultans, like within not a very long time, are just dying left and right. Mm, it's us. <clears throat> One of them is. Okay. Some of them did die from illness. So because okay. it's the eighteen hundreds in a tropical country and you know the eighteen hundreds of it all. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> so when that sultan died, the British put a pro-British supporter on the throne as sultan, and his name was Bargash bin Said. Uh, he followed their policies, and he abolished the slave trade in Zanzibar. Okay. But he did not end slavery in Zanzibar, just the trade. Oh, so whoever was already a slave there was still mm-hmm. a slave. Yes, and... Great Britain was not a fan of this because they were like, no, we want to abolish completely. But again, Zanzibar, and this is not justifying no. what was going on, but not. Zanzibar and like the wealthy of Zanzibar really relied on that free labor to so of course they produce want it. their yeah. crops and their yeah. exports and stuff. So at the same time that all of this is going on within Zanzibar, Germany and Great Britain signed the Heligoland Zanzibar Treaty. Mm-hmm. And this divided Tanzania and Zanzibar. So Germany got Tanzania, mm-hmm. which is on the African continent. Mm-hmm. And Great Britain got Zanzibar. I guess Bargash bin Said died as well, like really quickly. And so in 1890, a new sultan was put on mm-hmm. the throne. His name is Ali bin Said. He saw what was coming, so he was like, okay, I don't want Great Britain to colonize us. I want us to at least preserve, like, the Sultanate. I want us to preserve our way of life. So they came to an agreement that Zanzibar was now going to be a protectorate of Great Britain instead of, like, a colony. So protectorate is, quote, an autonomous territory that has protected diplomatically, that is protected diplomatically or militarily against third parties by a stronger state or entity. The protectorate retains formal sovereignty and remains a state under international law. But in exchange for this, they usually accept specified obligations that vary depending on the nature of their relationship. And I got this from the U.S. diplomacy website. Okay, so they're like, we'll protect you, but you have to do some things that we say, but we're going to, for the most part, leave you alone. Exactly. So there's three conditions for this protectorate that they agreed to. So first was they wanted to reopen free trade in Zanzibar. Uh, The second was they wanted the power to veto any sultan in any contested succession. Okay. So they got, like, if there was any contested issues, Great Britain wanted the power to have their say. And three, they wanted the island to totally abolish slavery. Okay. So, while Ali bin Said was sultan, he did not abolish slavery. He was able to kind of tip, he was like, oh, I'm working on it, you know. But he also wanted to keep his wealthy elite happy. Right. But Great Britain was like, okay now, it's time, it's time. Yeah. Because they they wanted to abolish slavery. So, when he died, (laughs) again, they were just going through sultans like this. Oh, my God. When Ali bin Said died, the British wanted to put someone on the throne who would listen to him. Okay. Or listen to them, sorry. Yeah. So, at this... In Zanzibar, there were not any 
laws or traditions about passing the throne down to the oldest son. Okay. There were multiple candidates that could be become sultan. And I'm, I wasn't really sure about the process. Like, okay. I don't think it was a vote. I think, like, maybe the court, whatever, Decided. equivalent got together and they kind of said who was going to be the next sultan. Right. But because there was multiple candidates, this was technically a contested succession. And the Great Britain plopped one of their own onto right. the sultan throne. And his name was Hamid bin Thuwani. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, there's another player in all of this, and his name is Khalid bin Bargash. So Khalid bin Bargash bin Saeed al-Busa Idi was born in 1875. His father was one of the sultans of Zanzibar, mm-hmm. um, Saeed Bargash, who was like two or three sultans ago. Saeed wanted to pass the throne to Khalid, mm-hmm. even though there wasn't like any laws of succession or anything, but... With the British doing all their interference in Zanzibari and politics, it wasn't really likely. So when Saeed died, he put it in his will that okay. he wanted Khalid to become sultan when he was ready. He was only, Khalid was only like seven at the time, oh. so he was too young. Right. When Saeed died in 1888, so yeah, two years prior to all the stuff going on with the, the treaty, mm-hmm. the British and the Germans both appointed Saeed Khalifa bin Saeed as sultan, who was Khalid's uncle. Okay. And this royally pissed off Khalid. He yeah. was like, no, I'm supposed to be sultan, even though I'm young. Yeah. Um, but he was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna, just gonna hang back. I'm gonna wait. Whatever. Yeah. So Khalifa died in 1890. And that's when Ali bin Saeed was appointed sultan. And he's the one that agreed for the protectorate of Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. Um, I did put pictures of I am some of the major yes. players because yeah. <laughs> they're all related to. <laughs> of course they are. Um, like their uncles and cousins and brothers and all that. They look very similar. Yeah. Like their facial features and their bone structures and stuff. I'm like You can tell. Yeah, they're all they're related. Of the same family, yeah. So yeah, again, like every two years or so, there's a new sultan. Yeah. And Khalid openly supported his uncle in this venture because he was trying to kind of gain more political support in the background. Okay. And he was still a teenager at this point. He's a smart teenager. Yeah. So in 1893, so three years after Mm -hmm. Protectorate, Ali bin Said died. Another death. Jeez. Khalid demanded he become sultan. As it was his father's wish, like I said, and both his mother and father were Arab. And this, like, improved his popularity among the elite of Zanzibar. They're mm-hmm. like, he's, like, both of his parents, like, they're Arab from the Oman, mm-hmm. like, culture. Like, he is definitely able to be sultan because of this. Right. Um, I didn't really get into a whole lot of what that was about, but... He had been heavily involved in the court since he was very young, and many favored him to be the new sultan. Right. So the British had different plans, though, and ended up appointing Hamoud bin Thawani, Mm -hmm. who was a pro-British supporter after Ali bin Said died. And um, Thawani was Khalid's cousin. Okay. This royally pissed off 19-year-old Khalid. So he got into the palace and locked all the doors and were like, you can't come in. (laughs) This did not last very long, though. Um, So the British were like, let us in. And he was like, no. And they're like, let us in. And he was like, okay. So he meant to only let in two, like, British. It was like a general and a consulate or something. But uh, once the door was like... So this is a quote from an article I read. 
quote, however, as soon as the door was slightly opened, the public invaded it, including the Marines, and directly went to the upper floor where Prince Khalid welcomed the general and British consul. Renal Rod told Prince Khalid that he had committed a stupid move by invading the castle. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> They're like, you dumb kid. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Get out of here. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. He left. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah. But that was not the war, though. That was just... Anyway. Yeah. So now we're getting into the actual war. Okay. And it's known as the Anglo-Zanzibar War. Okay. So Thawani was sultan for three years before he mysteriously and suddenly died on August 25th, 1896. Sus! <laughs> yes. This one is suspicious. I think all of the other ones either died of natural causes or illness, but mm-hmm. it is suspected that Khalid poisoned him, but no one can know for sure. Right. So he's 22 at the time. Yes. Yeah. He's still very young. So once they got the news, Thawani died. Basil Cave, uh, who's the chief diplomat of Zanzibar, and Lloyd Matthews, who's the first minister, ran to the palace and ordered all the doors to be locked so Khalid wouldn't start his bullshit again. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, lock all the doors, lock all the doors. <laughs> Khalid was back on his bullshit. Him and his men snuck in through a window. (laughs) Invaded the palace. This is my throat. It's my palace. What a temper tantrum. I know. (laughs) And again, like you can see, like his father wanted him to be sold. Like he had a lot of supporters. He felt like it was his right, but it went against the British, like, powers mountain in the coming in. Like, yeah. This is mine. (laughs) Yeah. So pro Khalid supporters also came into the palace, and a lot of these people were were people who supported the institution of slavery for free labor because oh. Khalid wanted to keep things as they were. Oh. He was not really a fan of the British coming in and changing everything. Right. And in the the article I was reading about Prince Khalid specifically. It was a little bit about his life, mostly about this conflict. But yeah. he even, like, while he was holed up, he even tried to write a letter to Queen Victoria being like, I'm okay with you. I just need to, you to get your guys out of here. <laughs> I mean, you're fine, but, like, could, we, could you get them to fuck off? We can be bros, but... Yeah. Bro. <laughs> to Queen Victoria. Yes. Could you imagine me like, bro... Listen, we're cool, but, but... You gotta get your guys out of here. Yeah, they're kind of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Khalid amassed a military to guard the palace. There's about 3,000 men, artillery, and then he had a royal royal yacht called the Glasgow in the harbor. Um, and it had, like, some weapons. What a royal yacht? I know. Named Glasgow? I know. So, Cave, Basil Cave the diplomat, he was trying to get Khalid out of the palace as peacefully and diplomatically as possible, and it didn't work. He was like, get out. And Khalid was like, no. And he was like, get out now. I'm imagining a foot stomp somewhere in there. I'm sure there was. (laughs) So, in the Zanzibar Harbor, there were already two British man-of-wars, the HMS Philomel and the HMS Rush. Big British warships. Okay. So, sailors, like, they went to go guard the British consulate on Zanzibar, making sure there's no riots going on because there's, you, you know, some tensions yeah. happening. Yeah. And Cave called for the HMS Sparrow to help out if necessary, which was nearby. Right. 
So the British couldn't really do anything yet without the go-ahead from the British government. Right. So Cave sent out a telegram asking if they could, if, if needed to, if they could handle the situation as needed, though no one from either side really expected there to be violence. Yeah. They were trying, they were really trying to like, okay, let's figure out how to do this we'll without. that. They're looking at him thinking, this is a 22 year old kid. Mm-hmm. He does, he's in over his head and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. Like, he's trying to fight the British, which, <laughs> again, there's lots of problems with the British Empire, as we right. discussed. But they were one of the biggest world powers. They, yeah. Gobbling they up Africa and the, its resources. Yes. So, but Khalid kept saying, no, he's not going to leave. So, on August 26th, which is the next day, yeah, after Khalid swarmed the palace, he got in, like, hours after... Thuwani died. Like, as oh soon as he God. heard, it was hours. Okay, he knew. Come on, he had to have known. Yeah. That's that's what people he are like. He was hovering what? in the tree line. Like, he was just, <laughs> he did it. He's dead, let's go. What's going on? Uh, I can see him through the window. <laughs> yeah, really. So, on August 26th, the HMS Raccoon and the HMS St. George came into the harbor as well with Raccoon. Rear Admiral Harry Rawson on board. Yeah, Raccoon. Raccoon. So now, and he was the commander of the British naval fleet in this region. Mm-hmm. So now there are five. I also saw there was an HMS Thresh or Thrush. Okay. So five to six British warships in the Zanzibar Harbor. Losing battle. You're yeah. fighting a losing battle. And if you scroll down. So there's a picture of the Sultanate in Zanzibar, mm-hmm. which is the palace. And the picture below that is what the palace looked like in the 1800s with the clock tower and the the balconies and stuff. It is right on the harbor. Like, there's, like, this street and then the harbor. I feel like that wasn't thought through very well. Well, not when you are going up against a powerful naval fleet, no. Mm-mm. But, again, the island's not that big. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's very beautiful. So, Cave got confirmation from the British government, and the telegraph said, quote, you are authorized to adopt whatever measures you may consider necessary and will be supported in your action by Her Majesty's government. Do not, however, attempt to take any action which you are not certain of being able to accomplish successfully. End quote. Okay. So basically, like, don't do anything unless you're sure it'll work. We don't need any half-ass attempts. We don't need this to fail because then that yeah. will not make us, that will make us look weak. Yeah, you don't want to, lo- don't, definitely don't lose against a 22-year-old kid. Yeah. That probably killed his cousin and snuck into the palace. Yeah. And boarded it up twice now. Yeah. So, again, that day, he was instructed to leave the palace. So, on that day, August 26th, he was instructed to leave the palace by 9 a.m. on the 27th, the next day, or else. And Khalid replied back, quote, We have no intention of hauling down our flag, and we do not believe you would open fire on us. They're calling their bluff. Mm-hmm. Why would he call their bluff? With five to six naval... British man of wars in the harbor pointing their guns at the palace. I would crumble so fast. Sure, take it. It's yours. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop across the sea, maybe go hang out with Queen Victoria for a bit, my bro, and uh see ya. <laughs> yeah. Bye. So Cave responded, quote, but unless you do as you are told, we shall certainly do so. So he's like, You called her you're not calling our bluff because we're going to forward with us. Yeah. 
So again, the palace is on the waterfront of the harbor, and it was made of wood with hundreds Wouldn't of people. Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> okay, I'll quit. It's okay. There are hundreds of people inside this palace, okay? At 9 a.m., Rawson ordered a bombardment. At 9.02 a.m. is when the first shell hit the palace. It instantly disintegrated the clock tower. Oh, my God. So now you have several man of wars firing artillery at this one palace at point blank range. If you scroll down. I'm looking at the two compared. I'm going to move this one from okay. the bottom up. Okay. So I can like. Yeah. You can see. The bombardment lasted less than an hour. Oh my God. Um, some sources put it at 38 minutes. And that is when the bombardment ended and they grabbed Khalid's flag because he had put up a new flag when he invaded the palace. Wow. The porch is gone. Yeah. I mean, gone. No um, evidence of it. The The tower is non-existent. Half the, it looks like buildings after the blitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's between 40 and 50 minutes is how long the entire thing lasted. There's not... No one, there's not a very consistent mm -hmm. description, but everyone agrees it was less than an hour. At the end of it, there are 500 dead and injured Zanzibarians from within the palace, while only one British soldier was seriously injured. And I think it was from, like, crossfire. Because um, the Khalid did have his military, like, shooting rifles back at the British. And then Great Britain immediately put Hamoud bin Mohammed on the throne. So Khalid was killed? No. He escaped the bombardment. So he ran away? He did. And fled to the German consulate. What a little bitch. Yeah. He left all of those people to die. Yeah. And he ran away. No, and no one knows exactly how he escaped, but they think he escaped during the bombardment. Ooh, I got opinions now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you say, I would rather die mm -hmm. than... And then you ran away? Mm -hmm. That just makes you look bad. To the Germans, who... The Germans and the British were not friends. They were not enemies, but they were not friends at this time. Have they ever been allies? I think they are now. Now? In modern times. But like but in... No. Before then, no. Okay. So, and then the Germans wanted to screw over the British, and so the British were like, can we have this guy back? He's going to be a prisoner. And they're like, no. We are not going to extradite him over to you guys. Fuck off, he's ours now. Yeah. He's our bro. <laughs> yeah. So the Germans eventually smuggled him to Tanzania, which was German-owned. Yeah. How far away are those? Uh, let me get a map. They're not, it's, or if you just, like, look up Zanzibar and look at a map, it's not that far. I don't know exactly how far, but it's pretty close. Oh, and if you have a map up, um, at least a map I have, there, it says Dar es Salaam, which is south of Zanzibar in Tanzania. So Khalid escaped to Dar es Salaam, mm -hmm. but not long after the British invaded Tanzania, not for Khalid, they were invading just to invade because, because that's what the British does. <laughs> and they found him. <laughs> oh God. It was just a happy accident. They're like, oh my God, here's this war prisoner we were hey, looking for. Hey, how you for. been? <laughs> so... Then they exiled him to St. Hel Helena, which is actually where Napoleon was exiled to. 
But he was not exiled for life. He spent a few years there and eventually did return to East Africa. And he, the article I was reading said he lived a very quiet life after that. Uh, Didn't do anything. He got off his bullshit. (laughs) He got off his bullshit. Thank God. um, And he eventually died in Mombasa, Kenya, 1927 at the age of 52. It's 395 kilometers, by the way. Okay. So not very far. It's not. Yeah. It's pretty close. Yeah. And so Zanzibar remained a protectorate of the British Empire until 1963. Wow. When it became independent. Okay. And a year later, in 1964, there was a revolution. Oh. And Zanzibar eventually joined Tanzania. And this is now, like, they're all Tanzania. Okay. So, yeah. That's all I have about the shortest war in history. It was so... What the fuck? It was rapid fire. Literally. (laughs) 30 minutes of rapid fire. Done. (laughs) That's what the British were hoping for on the Christmas of 1914. Yeah. They were like, let's just wrap this up real fast. Yeah. But they weren't weren't going up against a German like empire yeah they were going up against like a really tiny palace they're going up against a a college-aged kid yeah who whose ego was bigger than like he was able to like his bark was much worse than his bite like oh yeah so yeah yeah holy shit (laughs) (laughs) just can't get over him for one the first time throwing a temper tantrum and locking himself into the palace. But then letting them in and they're like, get out. And he was like, okay, <laughs> fine. And then the second time he like didn't kill his cousin and just happened to be <laughs> an hour later or two hours later crawling through a, <laughs> the, a window. The fact that they locked all the windows to try to keep him out because they knew he was going to be on that bullshit. <laughs> what kind of reputation do you have to have for, for a palace to lock its gates just so you won't come inside? I'm just imagining these two, like, super proper British guys, like, booking it to the palace. Like, lock all the doors! Lock well, all the doors! What happened? The Sultan died! Khalid's <laughs> coming! Khalid's coming! We don't want him to get back in here! And then he's like, like dressed like a ninja coming through the window. Oh, and I forgot to say, I skipped over it. Or maybe I did. I did say it. That when they put Hamoud bin Muhammad on the throne and he did abolish slavery on Zanzibar. Yes. So once he was on the throne, the British were like, okay, we're happy now. We got everything we want. So had Khalid just wanted to do what the British wanted, Mm -hmm. he could have had it. Yeah. Really. But he didn't want but to But he that. didn't want to abolish the slavery yeah. completely. Do you hear? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Y'all heard that. That was my daughter. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, he was just like, I want it my way. Mm-hmm. And I would rather die than... What a statement. What a bold statement for someone who ran away. Yeah. And I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know if he just like woke up after the bombardment and was just happened to be alive and then escaped somehow. Yeah. I don't know that. But he was throwing a temper tantrum. So I'm. And got 500 of his own people killed or injured. I wouldn't want him as a leader anyway if he was going to be that reckless with other human lives. Right. Like, I just don't. 
think he would have been a good leader. I also am glad that he calmed the fuck down in his later years. Yeah, he was like, all right, I learned my lesson. Um, I'm I'm just going to hang out and live the rest of my life. Let's try to fight the British. Yeah. Also, I like how Germany was like, you can't have him. I was like, oh my God, all these people are in high school. (laughs) If I've learned anything from this podcast, from doing this for the past six months, if I've learned anything, it's that anyone in power turns into a mean girl, turns into a petty high schooler who's like, and what did you do? (laughs) I went to power. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I'm going to steal your boyfriend. (laughs) Like, literally, it's that kind of energy that they're bringing. They're like, no, he's mine now. (laughs) Yeah. He is our guy. You can't have him. (laughs) You look awfully happy over there. But it would it would be a shame if somebody came and fucked it up for you. Like that kind of vibe. All everyone. Oh man. They do yeah. say power corrupts. I just didn't know it was gonna be in the most petty way possible. God. Can we at least be adults about it? No. And it's ironic because all these people are like grown ass men that are like, we have superior decision making abilities. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Grown ass men can be super petty. R- truly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. This so. is. I, I'm telling you, this is why um, we need like people, like normal people who are super busy to be in power. Mm-hmm. They don't have time for this bullshit. They're yeah. like, I got laundry to wash. I got dishes to do. Yeah, I got, I got... to cook dinner. Leave Zanzibar the fuck alone. Like, yeah, that's or no, we're not going to fight the British today. Yeah, I got I got to take the kids to school. Yeah. (laughs) And again, it's complicated, too, because it's like there's not really a side that is more right or more wrong. Right. It's um, it's like, yeah, what the British did in the end was like better because they did abolish the slavery but also, you don't like that because, like, you were really meddly. Mm-hmm. Very, like, yeah. that wasn't your business. Right. But, but yeah. also, like, good. Thank yeah. you for that. Again, it's complicated. God, I didn't know I was going to have so many weird complications about this short-ass war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Who knows? Okay. Yeah, that went well. It was a nice little little nugget episode there, especially short after war, our... short episode, <laughs> short war, short episode. Not a lot, and I try to like find more like background and context and stuff. But I mean, Zanzibar already has a really long history, and I yeah. again wanted to keep it relevant to our topic. Yeah. But um, yeah. So this is a nice little little tidbit, a little tidbit, especially yeah. after our probably <laughs> two hour episode. almost two hour episode of. Uh... <laughs> Um, sinking boats and survival i'm still like i'm shook i'm still shooketh we recorded that last night mm-hmm. um and we were up until like one 1 a.m recording and we were just i was so jazzed by the time we were done recording that because mm-hmm. i was like shaking the whole time <gasps> i've had a few episodes like that where i'm like i'm so excited to talk about it. i just shiver the yeah. entire time i can I... hear my voice trembling a little bit yeah i haven't like felt that like jazzed up about it and t- except 
or since the like probably around Battle of Athens, mm-hmm. I've been really excited about them all, mm-hmm. but nothing like that feeling yeah. because it was such a like a story about survival basically mm-hmm. that and that it was kind of the same it was giving me the same vibes but yeah. yeah so we're we're still reeling this is a great story today thank you i loved it thank you yeah it was a very interesting little tale and now i finally have context to the sultan of oman lives in zanzibar now yeah from that's just <laughs> the, where he lives the bill worst video <laughs> I like, I'm looking at the sultans. Is that like a sword in front of them or like a dagger or something? That's. I think so. It it looks like it and it's all the same one. So cool. Yeah. I'm sure it's like some kind of ceremonial. um... Yeah. I'm here for it. I think it looks cool. I like their little, I don't know what your, the technical term for it is, but it's like a robe. Yeah. Basically. I think they look very. These are all very fancy men. Very fancy men. I like a fancy man. Yeah. Oh, he's got he's got the little thingy and a sword. Ali bin Said. Said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. And he's got a very fancy background. What I really like is that when you see their feet, it just looks like they're wearing like like slides. <laughs> it looks like they're wearing socks and sandals, and that's such a dad thing. And I'm here for it. <laughs> and they all have like very powerful facial hair. Oh yeah. I'm here for a beard. You know I love a good beard. <laughs> I threatened Nick once because he was like, I think I'm going to shave my beard off. I was like, I will. Do not. Murder. <laughs> murder. Did I tell you that Kyle shaved off his beard? No. hate that. Like, I love beards. It, it took a while to get used to for sure. Actually, and he's gone mustache a couple yeah. times. I don't hate the mustache. I like to rub his face. Yeah. I've- I, I liked Not it. Kyle's when, face, yeah. Nick's face. <laughs> no, I understand. No, I actually, like, when Kyle was growing his beard back out, like, he had the mustache, yeah. and he was, like, a little scruffy, growing back a beard. A little yeah. look. I really liked that mm-hmm. look. Okay. <laughs> I do, I don't mind, like, five o'clock shadow. I don't like clean, shaven face. Yeah. Who are you? A child? No. <laughs> Give me a beard. The beard. So. Like. Yeah. All right. Also, uh. Basil Cave and Harry Rawson look so official. They're they're, they're very British. Very posh. It's the hat that's doing it for me, mm-hmm. Harry. Thank you. All of his medals and crosses and his um he oh, what are those called on the shoulders? Oh. Mm, I, can't remember I forgot. Called. He looks like a very uh, like a meaner version of who was the dad on um Roseanne? John Goodman. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a mean John Goodman. Epaulette. Epaulette. Yeah, that's what it meant. Yeah. I can't okay, remember. well, John Goodman's got some epaulettes and he's He does look like John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're welcome for that. All right. Yeah. So we'll post these pictures on our social media so y'all can follow along. So you can see John Goodman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we can... Socials? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, you can find us on Facebook. Ill-Equipped History Podcast Group and Page. Nice. Uh, you can find us in, um, Instagram. At Ill-Equipped History. TikTok. At Ill-Equipped History. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ill-Equipped History. And Gmail. Ill-Equipped History.com. 
No. Illocuphistory at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> like wit.com like, at history. At gmail. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. So if if you've got an opinion and, um, and this is the hill you want to die on, please just make sure that it's not against the British. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. No one really... No one can really know for sure. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There's only a handful of times that the British have lost. So I take that into account. Yeah. And they get real pissy about it and they keep coming back. And stop calling their bluff. Like they're going to do it. We know they're going to do it. From personal experience. If they say they're going to shoot, believe them. Yeah. They don't mess around. Also hide your artifacts. They will yeah. yank those. Yes. Hide your artifacts. Hide your wife. <laughs> in the British Museum. Where did you go? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shouldn't be funny. Okay. We need to go. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.